All right, so um, Happy New Year, you know it, we're in a new year now, 2020, a new decade, and uh, um, just one note um, of adjustment for announcements on the bulletin, I will probably get to it, but I just want to mention it, just so it's not forgotten, is um, our trustee meeting, instead of being on Sunday next week, um, it's going to be on Saturday this week. Uh, at four o'clock in the afternoon, and we'll probably meet upstairs there, kind of go over some of the end of the year um, stuff, and um, and just kind of do some planning for this year. And then we have our church-wide business meeting on the last Sunday of the month, um, and so that'll be on the 26th, I believe. And so um, I'll try to do a shortened service for the regular service. And then I asked for, if you're a member of the church, especially if you could be here for that meeting, um, we're going to be um, um, choosing, um, hopefully, um, choose selecting a deacon. And that's why I'm teaching, talking about the office of a deacon today. Um, the role, um, the value, the importance of godly deacons. And, um, and so we'll be ta- talking about that today. But um, we'll be having a confirmation vote on that on the last Sunday. And so we need the church membership here, or we can't vote on um, that if people aren't here. And so on the 26th, um, be here. We'll be going over last year's stuff and also um, just some plans and things for the new year. And, and so be in prayer um, for us for the trustee meeting and then for the business meeting. And then next Sunday on the 12th um, is going to be our vision Sunday um, where I'm going to go to a mountain and get this vision from God and tell you something you've never heard in the Bible before. I'm just kidding. Not that kind of vision Sunday. Um, just um, just kind of like just praying, seeking the Lord, kind of have a theme of focus um, for this new year. And so that'll be next week. Um, we'll be unveiling um, the vision um, for the year. So try to be here next week. Um, be a um, very valuable Sunday. And so today, talking about the, <coughs> the office role of a deacon. Um, just off the cuff, um, what is a deacon? Some of you guys tell me. What is a deacon? He wants to go ahead and go first. Someone break the ice. Well, what do you think a deacon is? Anybody? Patty, did you, did you raise your hand? Oh, okay, in the office in the church. Daniel? Okay. All right. Anybody else? Okay. Okay, Jamie, you had your hand up real quick, though. Okay, you lost train of thought. All right. Okay, deacon could go go help people. Absolutely, and really anybody could go help people, huh? You know, that's where there's the office of a deacon, and then there's like in the role of a deacon that in many of it, a lot of us could um, help fill, and that's where one of the things the qualifications of a deacon is to be someone that's already proven themselves. It's not someone where we just go, oh, hey, here's a new person in church. You want to be a deacon. Now, there's been times where, like, connected with people, the person, well, I'm like, man, I'd be comfortable. Um, but sometimes it's like waiting for the church, you know, to get to know them, um, to be comfortable um, and to know everything. And the Bible says to let them be someone that's proven. Anything else? Anybody else about a deacon? Alan? Uh, servant. Okay. Servant. Okay. That's, that, that's the definition um, of a deacon. That's how the word's defined. Go ahead and open your Bible to Acts chapter 6. Acts 6. And so in here, 
we see the role, the office of a deacon, but the actual translated word in English is not used, but the root word, um, Greek word, is used in it. Um, Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And so the Grecians were either Greeks or Greek-speaking Jews that um, were in another part of place, and they were, were, were being neglected. As far as the widows, the widows weren't being taken care of, whereas the Hebrew widows were being um, taken care of. And so there was just kind of this murmur and there was this kind of complaining about partiality. And then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands, their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith." I need to turn this on. I guess this would help if I actually plugged the wireless USB in. Then I could change the screen. But so there was, the church had grown. Okay, so at first, when the church was first established, there wasn't anything as the role of a deacon. And as we're going to get into, there's scriptural qualifications of a deacon. And there's sometimes where a church, you know, a small church, you know, there's been times church, our church, where there wasn't really anybody either um, that was scripturally qualified to fill the office of a deacon, or you could say they're scripturally qualified, but they didn't really have the interest in serving in that role. And so there's been times where we haven't had a deacon. Now, just for transparency, accountability reasons, we've still um, tried to have um, trustees, um, where basically they would be the legal representation um, of the church. And now a deacon, by default, would fulfill the role of a trustee, but one could be a trustee um, without being a deacon. And a deacon would have a greater responsibility in different areas um, than a trustee um, would have. And so nowhere in Scripture is it mandated that a church would have deacons, but as a church grows, it's very helpful. And as the apostles saw here, it became needful. Um, there, there, there was this issue um, at the church. It had nothing to do with the teaching. It had nothing to deal with um, heresy, false teachings that needed to be dealt with. It was widows that, okay, they didn't have their husbands, and the church was taking care of some of the widows, but not all of the widows that were in need. And so the apostles could have been said, okay, you know what, I guess we don't have the time to be in the Bible as much, um, and so we'll go and serve tables. We'll go be bringing groceries um, to the widows on a constant basis. But then that would hinder the ministry of the word in that aspect of the church. And that's why the Bible talks about us as a church being many members um, of one body. That we could all be serving in different roles. 
And there's like there's the pastor, there's um, deacons, there's um, different members. We have instrumentalists, those that could um, sing specials, um, and on and on, different parts. And then we all function together, we fun- function more efficiently. And so deacons define, um, we look at how is the word deacon used in the New Testament. And it's not always speaking of the office of a deacon, um, but it's sometimes used in a generic way. And this is the argument that is often used to try to say, well, there could be woman deacons or deaconesses. But um, the scripture never speaks of such of an office. Um, that one of the qualifications of a deacon is to be the husband of one wife. Um, now, before the last few years, te- even legally, okay, a woman could not be the husband of one wife. Now, in the day of confusion, transgender and all that, just, there's all kinds of confusion. But scripturally, biblically, deacon would be a role that a man would hold, but there are qualifications for the wife um, of a deacon. And some use, um, try to use that the word wife is sometimes translated woman um, throughout the Bible, and sometimes it is, but it's, um, we'll see um, it's, it's speaking particularly about the wife of a deacon there. But the New Testament text uses three primary words to refer to deacons. Um, diakonos, which means servant. Diakonia, may not be saying it right now which means service, and diakonio, which means to serve. And now the title deacon seems to have as many different connotations as there are churches that bestow it. In some churches, the deacons are the official board, the legally recognized managing body. Other churches appoint almost everyone who is a regular attender is a deacon. You know, there's been times where um, you know, in the history of this church, when there were um, um, 14 people and they had five elders and, or, um, five elders and like eight deacons at one time, or maybe it was five or so out of 14 people. And so, you know, there's times where things could be like it's just kind of putting the title on someone that's consistent, someone that's maybe a regular attender. Um, so other churches use it simply as a badge of honor. You know, sometimes you know it may be a, a, an elderly man that's wise, and um, he maybe isn't even functioning in the role of a deacon, but out of respect, they give him that title. Um, the, so the ministry of a deacon could be so different from church to church that when a person says they're a deacon, you usually have to ask several questions to find out what, if anything, he actually um, does. The original use of the group of words, the diakonos, seems to have been specific, meaning the service of waiting on tables or serving people food, but it broadened beyond that and came to mean any kind of service. That, you know, they're, they're a servant. Matthew twenty two thirteen, for example, says, Then the king said to the servants, you know, this isn't talking about the biblical office of deacon, but of what part of the role of deacon would be in that they're a servant. And so the king said unto the servants, diakonos, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 3, 2, okay, the pastors um, is mentioned and sent to Mophius, our brother and minister. The Greek word for that is diakonos, um, the minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. And so by the meaning of the term servant, you know, a pastor is to be a diakonos in the sense that they're to be a servant. You know, like Jesus told his disciples, he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. That, 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 that the, the secret of greatness is they're the ones serving. And you look at that, the people over history that you most likely honor are people that you've seen as they serve in some type of fashion. And so diakonos equals a servant. It does not mean ruler or overseer. 
and I point that out, is because in some churches, um, they have it set up where the pastor is the one that teaches, and then the deacons rule the pastor. Sometimes the deacons tell the pastor what to teach. We want you to teach this curriculum, or we want you to teach from this book. Um, And now, having said that, no pastor is above accountability or transparency. Okay, a pastor um, that's worth his soul or whatever, so to speak, is going to be someone that's a servant of servants, not a dictator. Okay, that's where the Bible talks about um, a pastor is to rule. The Bible talks about the elders that rule well. Um, the Bible talks about um, obey them that have the rule over you, talking about in the church matters. So there is leadership that the pastors, the elders are supposed to be involved in, but they're also told to, um, in their leading not to be as lords over God's heritage. And so there's a balance in the leading. And, and this does not mean that a deacon is never put in a position to lead. Most often deacons are going to be leading, ruling in some type of fashion. They're given a response ability for it. But it is not um, a thing, again, where, where, you know, I was at a church before, and they actually said, you take care of the teaching, and we're going to rule over the matters of the church. That is not biblically um, what a deacon is. That is what the elder, the pastor in the church is supposed to be responsible for in leading. And as the church grows and everything, there could be um, more than one elder um, in that sense, in a scriptural um, sense. But there still is, like you see with James, like, hey, there was a matter they dealt, they brought before the apostles, but then they asked James, who was the lead pastor in Jerusalem, we need, we need to know what to do in this matter. Okay, and so a deacon is there to serve the church family. And now this doesn't mean that a deacon all of a sudden becomes every member's slave, so to speak. Okay, a deacon isn't where it's just like every church member tries to say, hey, we know we want you to do this, we want you to take care of that. And that could happen sometimes in the church where um, they think, hey, a deacon is just for everybody to tell the, um, the deacon what to do. But as we see in Acts 6, The deacons, they were chosen, appointed by the church, but to fulfill the business that the apostles appointed them unto. And so there was still the pastors that would lead and say, hey, this is the need we have in the church, and we feel like we are assisted in being able to attend to the word and prayer by you taking care of these um, matters. Though the office of deacon is not, again, primary position of authority, it does not mean they never exercise authority. They would possess delegated authority. And so if they're given the leadership over something, that would still entail obey them which have um, rule over you. Um, go back first. Again, Jesus said, He sat down, he called the twelve, and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. And now we're going to look at some Old Testament passages just to get some principles of the aspect of a deacon. Okay, This verse that we're going to go to isn't talking about a deacon per se, but it's a great illustration in what a deacon does for a pastor and a church. And this is when Moses is in the Israelites or at battle with the Amalekites. And it says, And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hands down, Amalek prevailed. Okay, this was a miracle that God was doing when Moses' hands were up. Israel was prevailing in the battle. But when Moses' arms were down, the enemy was prevailing. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. 
And then Israel was given the victory. And so Moses was trying to lead, and then by miraculous, divine, um, how God had it happen, is when his hands were up, Israel prevailed. And so Aaron and Hur were there to lift up Moses' hands. They were there to be a help, to be in assistance. And that's what a deacon is, um, where they, they, they serve, they help, they, they help to carry the burden in some fashion in the, in, in the church. They're burden bearers. They bear loads of ministry as requested. Um, as the apostle said, whom we may appoint over this um, business. And then in Acts 6, we um, look at, we, we could see some of the reasons, one of the reasons was to put away murmuring. Okay, um, Acts 6.1, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And so there was this complaining going on. And so the apostles, you know, they, they have more important things to deal with than just to be hearing everybody's complaints. And now this does not mean the deacon becomes the dumpster where, man, everybody just throws all their complaints on. Now, many times, sometimes people will go to a deacon. You know what? They're a respected man in the church. And you know what? Maybe they want some clarity or maybe they were uncomfortable with something that the pastor said. You know, I remember Paul Chapel mentioning one time there was some kind of particular compromise that Billy Graham was making at the time. And, and um, he mentioned it from the pulpit. Okay, well, to a new believer, that could be like, what is going on? Why is the pastor calling Billy Graham out in this? Isn't he this great evangelist where thousands have been saved? And many have. Many people I know have been saved under him. But he was dealing with a particular issue of um, him basically yoking hands with the Pope and stuff in the Vatican. And so someone asked the deacon. They go, you know what? What's going on here? Like, pastor... And then the deacon was able to give clarity and to say things. You know what? Um, Pastor Chapel knows that. You know, Billy Graham has led thousands to the Lord. And to that, we're thankful. We're thankful for those that get saved. But you know what? There is where the Catholic Church teaches a works-based salvation. Um, and there's idolatry. And that's what the pastor was trying to get at around the compromise. And then the people be like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, we wouldn't want to yoke up with that. And so there could be that clarity given. It basically puts away murmuring, complaining by giving clarity. Now, I try to be the type of pastor that's very approachable, that anybody could come to me, that there's not a mystique. There's not like we try to um, be hidden or like we come and preach and then we're gone and try to put this big major mystique around us. However, I've noticed sometimes, you know what, people just by default maybe sometimes feel a little bit intimidated by going to the pastor directly. Now, I hope I don't give that approach off, but sometimes people just have that insecurity. And so sometimes a deacon can help in putting away murmuring or helping give clarity or sometimes even be like, you know what, I don't know, I wasn't there, let's try it, let's talk to him and try to try see what's going on. Um, 1 Corinthians 10.10 10 says, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. And so we always want to be careful as a church body to not be, is the pastor being someone that's complaining all the time, or is the membership complaining about things all the time? We, we want to be content. There may be are times where things need to be addressed or be improved upon, but we want to do that with moving forward, not with... A bad spirit. Deacons ensure that the preacher's primary ministry flows smoothly. Acts 6.2 says, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Like, you know, we, we need to be given to the word. We need to be given to prayer. You know, we, we really don't have the time. And remember, and remember, the church is thousands of people. The church has grown. 
much larger um, than the church of our size. And so they're like, we cannot be just going around serving tables. Okay, We're not called to serve at a restaurant, so to speak. But it was a need in the church that needed to be dealt with. And although we are not huge, we're not in the hundreds yet, right? Y-A-T, yet, right? We grow there, okay? However, okay, you know, with our church, you know, we've kind of um, gotten a little bit smaller um, this year. And, um, but in the past, there were times where, okay, I was like the general contractor um, with Daniel. Him and I were like tag teaming, doing all the remodeling of the church. That wasn't the main important task. That was not my primary calling as a pastor, but it was things that needed to get done. And we didn't have very many young people at the time. We had a lot of elderly who, you know what, they were supportive of the work, but they couldn't physically do it. And so I was more involved in that. We were more finan- a little bit more financially established back then, and I would say we were able to do that. Now I mean to do other work outside of the church. And so even though a church, our church is small, it could be helpful having a deacon um, whereas as a pastor, I can't give my attention 100% to the church like I was able to in the past. A deacon could help carry some of that load so the things still get done and get function in the church. Any questions so far? Okay, this is a lesson where we could have feedback if there's any questions. So feel free to raise your hand if you have any questions. But so the purpose of a deacon was to help increase the efficiency um, of the overall function and care of the church. This is from our bylaws, um, Article 5, Section 2. The board of deacons shall assist the pastor in such manner as he shall request in promoting the spiritual welfare of the church, in conducting the religious services, and in performing all other work of the church. They shall make provision for the observance of the ordinances of the church. They shall, if requested by the pastor, consider applications for a church membership. They shall assist the pastor in visitation and all other evangelistic efforts of the church. And now the scripture itself is vague about the specifics of what a deacon is are to do. Um, we read a lot about what qualifies a man to be a deacon but very little about how deacons are to minister in the local church. Um, and I believe that fact in itself teaches us much about God's verse of church leadership and everything, but that what a man is, is the main priority more than what he does. And that there would be the autonomy of the local church to use the deacons as fit. Like if we, um, we have widows in the church, um, but we don't really have widows indeed, where the Bible talks about widows indeed being okay, they're over 60 and they have no family at all to help care for them. Okay, like our widows, okay, Norma's a widow, okay, she lives right next door to her son, and her son um, helps to um, care for her. But if she was destitute, did not have um, family at all to help care for, then that would become part of the church responsibility to make sure she's taken care of. That's what we would do as believers, as a, as a church um, family. But if it was the pastor doing all the tending, tending to the work of that, then again, it keeps the pastor away from their main role. And so that's where deacons are helpful. But with a pastor and deacons, what a man is, is more important than what he ends up doing. Um, They shall provide the pulpit supply and act as leaders for church meetings if the office of pastor is vacant. The board of deacons shall assist the pastor in caring for the administrative needs of the church's various ministries as requested by the pastor. Now go ahead and turn you 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um, by A.D. 64, or say 64 A.D., that's the right way to say it, huh? 
64 AD, when 1 Timothy was probably written, the church had developed to the point where the spiritual qualifications for church leaders began to be specific. Yet the instructions for organization were still quite limited. And again, that's probably by divine design. There is great flexibility in individual church organization um, because God knew that the situations and needs would differ over time and in different cultures. Um, the biblical emphasis is not on the organization and the function as much, but on the leader's purity and their spiritual depth. And so 1 Timothy 3, um, verse 8 to 15. Um, the first part, the first part of the chapter, talks about the office of a bishop, the office of a pastor. And then from verse 8 on, we hear about a deacon. It says, Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given too much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in the pure conscience, and let these also first be proved, and let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon, well purchased to themselves a good degree, and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things write I unto thee, hoping you come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And so here we see specific qualifications in selecting the deacon. And so again, what a man is, is the main priority more than what he does. So when looking, choosing a deacon, you don't just look at, oh, this person's a successful businessman. Okay, oh, um, or he, he, he um, is a political leader. He's well-respected in the community. So put him as a deacon. Not even considering what's their personal character. What is their spiritual life like? Okay, their spiritual life is more important than how respected a man may be in the community. And so as we look in Acts 6 and 1 Timothy 3, we see his walk with God is important. 6.3, Wherefore, brethren, look ye among ye seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And then we see in verse 5, it pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And so these are godly men, full of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Okay, and you look at the qualifications for a deacon or a pastor. You know what, for the most part, besides maybe being apt to teach for a pastor, um, but for most of the things... All of us as Christians should be striving to manifest. What Christians should not be full of the Holy Ghost? What Christians should not be a murmurer? Not be a backstabber? Okay? What Christians should be intoxicated? Okay, so really all a pastor or deacon should be is to be godly Christians. Consistent Christians. All of us should strive to live um, according to how a deacon um, is to live. But what sometimes happens in churches is it, it, the deacon ends up reflecting kind of the church. They're not reflecting the qualifications in Scripture. They're not following the Bible. And they're sometimes not a good testimony as a Christian. And that's not something you would want is a deacon. Because the deacon, though its primary means a servant, it is often viewed as a position of leadership, of servant leadership. Full of faith, holding the mystery of the faith in the pure conscience. I'm going to go quite quickly, because I don't have time to do this in two Sundays, because i got other things planned next week. But um, we see his character um, on this report. Um, quote, one of the greatest temptations that comes to any leader is the temptation to tell something less than the truth. 
Sometimes you'll be tempting with a leader. You will get political leaders. Sometimes they'll lie based on who their audience is. The security job that I'm working at, um, the regional manager, one of the things he said, you know what? We'll be able to tolerate here and there when mistakes happen. Mistakes are going to happen. You're going to learn from those mistakes. But one thing I will not tolerate is if you lie to me. If you lie to me, it's end of discussion. You're fired on the spot. The secular world, they want people to tell the truth to them. How much more should God's children to be people that tell the truth? Full of wisdom. Okay, they're to be be wise. Okay, it's not to be someone that they're just always flaky or um, they they have no maturity about them. They're to be grave. Okay, now this does not mean that they're so serious that they don't know how to have a good time. Okay, you could sometimes look at some deacons or deacons' wives. It's like, man, they just seem so cruel. They seem so sour. And it's like, why would I want to be around that? And so they're respected in the sense of they don't want to be around them because they don't like the attitude they see. That's not what grave means. Grave simply means to be worthy of respect. Someone that is respectable. Someone that's not double-tongued. Okay? You know, again, all Christians should not be double-tongued. But you see how how difficult it gets in any employer, employee, um, pastor, deacon, if like, the deacon tells the pastor one thing that he knows the pastor wants to hear and then tells a member something else or tries to um, stir some kind of division. Deacon is not to be double-tongued. Not given too much wine. You know, over and over the Bible gives warnings about alcohol. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And so if a deacon is someone that, man, they're just getting wasted all the time, you know, it is not a good representation on Christ or a representation on the church. Not greedy of filthy lucre. Okay, now there's so many biblical principles, okay, you know, taking care of your family, you know, providing financially, um, the diligent shall bear rule um, and, and stuff, and so different things about financial prosperity through diligence. But the heart for pastor and deacon needs to be not to be chasing after filthy lucre, where the money is the in all, where, where, there's, where there's that constant greed. You're to be blameless. Hey, now, blameless does not mean without sin. Otherwise, nobody would ever be a pastor or be a deacon. Because we all are stained with sin. Except for we're made perfect in Christ Jesus. Praise God for that. But when you look at their character, overall, doesn't mean they're never going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean, say, a deacon and a pastor are never going to get in a heated um, argument or a, a deacon and a member of the church that there's not going to sometimes seem like um, there's some kind of aggression. Now, the Bible does say for the qualification of an elder to not be someone that is soon angry. Again, it doesn't mean that the pastor never makes a mistake. Or a deacon never makes a mistake. But when you look at their life, do you generally see they're pretty blameless in their character? Philippians 2, 14, 16. says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. There again, there that comes again. That ye may be blameless and harmless. And this is just talking about the Christian. But part of being blameless is someone that is not causing disputings or murmurings. The sons of God without rebuke. And so it, we're to be blameless, harmless, representing Christ as children of God. We were to look at his home. You know, there's so many jobs. You know, many times they say, you know, oh, you know what, don't look at his private life, his personal life. And you know what, some jobs, maybe it doesn't matter. But when someone's in a position of leadership, and someone can't keep their family together, they don't have a good relationship with their spouse, 
to really not a good fit, even in my opinion, in public office. If someone cannot, someone's a politician. I know there's many politicians been divorced, remarried, um, all, all that, and not saying they can't be a politician if they are. But generally speaking, you know what? You want to see someone that's a leader, that they're in unity with their family. You want to look at their home. We see specifically for pastors and deacons, as mentioned. We see even in the Old Testament. For Old Testament priests. Now, Old Testament priests had many qualifications that um, many of us would never be able, many pastors, deacons wouldn't be able to fulfill because it was a particular picture of Christ, um, of like being without imperfection. Like a priest could not be bald-headed. He could not have a wart. There were some of these more like ceremonial things. Now, that none of that is transferred to um, like a deacon, pastor, that kind of stuff. But there are some things, moral things, do transfer over. And we see in Leviticus 21.7 with Old Testament priests, they shall not take a wife that is a whore or profane, neither shall they take a woman put away from her husband, for he is holy unto his God. And, and so Old Testament priests, um, whether the divorce was considered justifiable or not, a priest could not marry someone that had been divorced or be divorced himself. We see the same qualifications as mentioned in, for a deacon, that a deacon must be the husband, husband of one wife. Not just one at a time, okay? You know, but to be the, having been the husband of one wife. Someone that hasn't been divorced or remarried. And really that was not a controversy in the church, until really in, like, say, the last 20 years or so, maybe 30 years. Before that, it was always understood that a pastor or deacon would be someone that's been faithful um, in their marriage. Um, he must be the husband of one wife. This from Matthew Henry's commentary. He must be the husband of one wife, not having given a bill of divorce to one and then taken another, or not having many wives at once. As he said before of the bishops or ministers, so here of the deacons, they must be the husband of one wife, such as had not put away their wives upon dislike and married others. They must rule their children and their own house as well. The families of deacons should be examples to other families. Okay, so it would not be a good fit if, say, we called someone as a pastor or deacon and their family was a total mess, a total disaster. Now, again, it's a church. This is where we need to be careful that we're not putting their children under a microscope, expecting them to be above what just any normal Christians should be. You know what? All Christian children make mistakes. All Christian children are sinners. Pastors' children, deacons' children, they're going to sin. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to be sometimes not the best representation. Just like we all are not always the best representation of Christ. But generally speaking, do you see their household is in order? Is there a unity? Is there um, harmony? Um, in selecting the widows indeed, um, 1 Timothy 5, 9 to 10, it likewise says about okay, um, them three score years old and having been the wife of one man and stuff. And now with husband of one wife, okay, this does not mean like someone's barred from being a pastor or deacon of, say, their spouse passed away and they got remarried um, after their spouse passed away. You know what? The Bible um, speaks specific about that. Um, another um, commentary um, says, if we consider the general, it is from the pulpit commentary, if we consider the general laxity in regard to marriage and the facility of divorce, which prevailed among Jews and Romans at this time, it must have been a common thing for a man to have more than one woman living who had been his wife. And this is a distinct breach of the primitive law. Genesis 2.24 would properly be a bar to anyone being called to the office of a bishop. Okay? Now, this does not mean that, say, someone that's been divorced and remarried cannot serve in different ministries of the church. There's nothing that says someone that's been divorced and remarried can't serve as a Sunday school teacher, can't serve as an usher, or, um, 
or can't even fulfill some of the role of a deacon. Again, a deacon is to be a servant. All of us should be um, servants, regardless of what our past is like. Um, you know, I've had someone share. I won't, I won't mention their names, just in case they don't want to mention. But they said to me, when I first came here, they said, Pastor, I've been divorced, and you know, my family, my household um, isn't generally in order. Um, I cannot fill the role of a deacon, but... I will be the best support I can be as if I was a deacon. I'll serve, I'll assist, I don't need the title, but I want to be a servant. That's the kind of attitude to have. To be someone that's willing to serve. That's how a deacon should be. Like we'll get to how they're first to be proven. And so ruin their children well, ruin their own house as well, is mentioned in 1 Timothy 3. Um, you know what, someone that, you know, it generally, um, you know, we don't, wouldn't know maybe all the details, but you know what, I would say part of role in their household would be managing their finances um, well. Okay, it doesn't mean they're going to be super wealthy or whatever, or that they're never going to have struggles, finances, but if someone is just always um, doing terrible with their finances, making bad choices, they're probably not a good idea to be someone that was chosen as a um, deacon. We see when households are not in order, looking in the Old and New Testament, we see where it could be a hindrance. First Samuel 13 says, And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. And that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. God saw Eli's house, his parenting. Now we do see that Eli did correct his children and said, oh, come on, let's, let's not do this. But there wasn't ever any restraint. And his, his children were offering um, idols, sacrifices to idols, the things were profane and vile. We see in Malachi um, a prophecy about John the Baptist um, fulfilling a particular role of Elijah. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. You know, part of the role of John the Baptist was to, and we don't see a whole lot of it written about it, but it is mentioned in the New Testament um, about him turning the heart of fathers to their children. And so, you know, a deacon should be a family man. You know, it's someone that has um, their children's heart. And again, they're to be someone that's proven already, proven themselves worthy of holding the office of a deacon by serving as one, basically, without the position. Is in, in verse um, 13 of 1 Timothy, it says, um, For they that have used the office of a deacon well um, purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in faith, um, hold on, let's see, where am I looking for? Or in verse 10. And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. So Bible also warns, lay hands suddenly on no man. Talking about whether it be elders or be deacons. You don't choose someone hastily. Just like, hey, let's just put them in this position. No, they need to be someone that's proven themselves. Not someone that all of a sudden becomes faithful. They finally start coming to church because you called them a deacon. No, it needs to be someone that's proven themselves faithful. Not just great businessmen or well-known leaders, but proven servants and spirit-filled men. It's 1 Timothy 5.22 where it says, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Because if we choose someone that's ungodly to be a deacon, we as a church are all complicit in it. 
Um, so do not be hastily chosen. And then there's also the qualifications for the deacon's wife. It says in verse 11, Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. And so there's been times where at the previous church where I was the associate pastor at, Pastor and I, we'd had discussions like, man, this man would be a wonderful deacon. This man would be great deacon. Loves the Lord, faithful. But his wife, on the hand, she was a slanderer. She was a gossip. She, she, she didn't really have the fruit of a godly Christian. She was saved, but she, she, she just, just the, the, the demeanor. There wouldn't have been a respect by the congregation for her and stuff. And, and so I, I believe it. She's saying, I believe she's doing a lot different. You know what? People grow. Praise the Lord um, for that. And I think he might be serving as a deacon and she might be deacon's wife. I don't know for sure. But at the time, it wasn't. And so many times it's wise to not select someone a deacon based on their wife and stuff. And some people say, oh, that's not right, someone not to get a position because of their wife. Well, you know what? Even at jobs I've worked in a secular world, they, some of them even want to interview the couple. Because they want to see if things aren't going good at home, it's probably not going to go good long for them coming even to work here. There's going to be some kind of issue. The wife's going to be murmuring, they're going to be complaining or whatever. But the wife is to be grave, worthy of respect, not slanderers, um, to be sober, to be faithful in all things. There to be a woman that seen is faithful. And it means they must be a believer. You know, we had some, um, someone in the past here. They were a deacon, just before I came. Faithful man. And he came up to me and he said, Pastor, I think I should step down as a deacon. I, I don't believe I'm scripturally qualified. You know, my wife's not a believer. My household's not in order. And I kind of had this already kind of in mind when I came. Um, no one, but you know what? If, if you look for every church to be perfect before you come, no pastor would go to any church either. And the pastor wouldn't be perfect either if you were looking for the perfect pastor. But the attitude he had was, you know what? They, I said, yes, I'll serve as a deacon. They asked me to be one, but I really don't think I'm scripturally qualified. You know, my wife never comes to church. And that does look weird to a church. Go, man, here's a man comes, but his wife doesn't come. It'd be weird if my wife didn't come to church, right? If, you know what, I come, I pastor church, and she goes to some other church. That would be kind of awkward. That, that would be different. Or if she didn't go to church at all. And so... We had in a past where there was like an issue of that. And, and like they were telling him, you know what, you need to fight against this pastor. You know, like just fight against, don't let him remove you from being a deacon. And he said, you know what, he didn't remove me. You know what, I, I asked him, you know what, maybe I should step down. And now, even though I'm not a deacon, I'm going to be more faithful and a support to my pastor than I even was as a deacon. And in during all that, though, there was um, uh, the, the, the faithful in all things. It, mean, it does mean a believer as well. Um, but I got a letter before. And, 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 it, and it, the letter said the word for faithful um, um, is 1 Timothy 3.11. is the Greek word pistos. It means trustworthy, not necessarily a believer. It's what the letter was given to me. And then a different letter was given to other people that said I was doing the work of Satan because I was demanding that a deacon's wife be a believer and stuff. This is all a long time ago, okay? None, none of that's going on um, now, okay? But saying I was doing the work of Satan. That's pretty bold claims and stuff. And, and it wrote that that's not what this word um, means. That it just means a faithful. And the man's wife could be faithful, just not be a believer. Well, look up the word. Pick any Greek tool you want. Any, just any Greek tool. 
So it means faithful, reliable, okay, yes. And it means believing, believes. Pick any Greek tool you want. Do the research. 1 Timothy 4.10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that pistos. That's the Greek root word. Believe. 1 Timothy 1.12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the pistos. Believers. And so, yes, there are the qualifications of a deacon's wife, of a pastor's wife. They are to be believers. The Bible talks about how to behave in God's house. That's how it sums up after these qualifications. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. This isn't man's rules. This isn't my rules. This isn't Pastor Jason's rules. This is how the Bible tells us where to conduct. And now I didn't even deal with the pastor. If you want to keep, keep me in check, you know what? We, we, we do this in other messages. There's qualifications for the pastor as well. We're just talking about a deacon here. And so the pastors and the deacons, there are expectations for servant leaders. And then we see the result of faithful and loyal deacons. And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And that's my hope. If, you know what, if it's the right timing to select someone to be a deacon, is that, you know what, the word of God would increase and the disciples would be multiplied. You know, while I'm having to, out of necessity, do other work outside of the church, um, that there would be that a deacon that would be able to serve to help fill in different roles, um, that where I do have spare time, that I'd be able to be focused on the Word, not focused so much on the building, not focused so much on everything else. If there's a need, if I can't make a visit, could go, hey, you know what, so-and-so's in the hospital. Could you please go visit them? Or, you know what, they need their gut- this widow needs their gutters clean. Could you go take care of it? And again, this does not even mean that the deacon has to be the one that's doing all of that. The deacon could be, yes, pastor, we'll get it taken care of. And say a deacon could call Frank. Go, hey, Frank, Norma needs her gutters um, clean out. They're, you're spilling out. And so, so then the job, get, the job gets done. And stuff, or whoever it may be. Okay, so there, so there could be where things get done, and that's something my pastor had to teach me. It's an assistant pastor. It's an assistant pastor. I was there to assist my pastor, and he would give me all these jobs to do, and I was starting to feel overwhelmed. Like, Pastor, how are you really going to expect me to get that done? I'm not the greatest painter. How are you expecting me to get the whole church painted in a week? And he goes. I put you in responsibility to get it done. Not that you have to get it all done. He, go, he goes, Jason, you don't even have to touch a paint roller. You just got to make sure it gets done. And so you try to get people done. And of course, I'm rolling the paint roll too and stuff. But, and we got it done. And so anyways, the purpose, deacons, to help the word of God increase, number of disciples multiplied greatly. And so we have our church business meeting the last Sunday of this month. And so I'd like you as a church, as individuals, to pray regarding if it'd be the right timing to choose a deacon, and if so, who to serve in that role. And so next week, I'll pass out a sheet of paper, and um, this, this will be kind of like a nomination um, for deacon. And so members, and if you're a regular attender, not a member, you could fill it out, just, you know, we'll put your name on it. Um, it, won't, it wouldn't count in the official ballot like when we do our confirmation vote um, on the last Sunday. You have to be a member to um, vote officially for the deacon there. And so if you're not a member yet, you know what, but you're saved, been baptized, or you need to get baptized. You know what, we could get that all settled. Get, um, if you're not saved, one, we want you to get saved first. But if you haven't been baptized yet, get you baptized and you join the church and then you could officially vote. But if you've been a regular attender, 
for denomination. I see no harm in, you know what, you just kind of you praying about it and saying, you know what, I think this person would be good. Same with like, hey, teenagers, you know what, in the official ballot, it wouldn't count, but serve, it's an advisory vote. Like, hey, we think this person would be good. And so, and so I'll pass those out next week. We'll turn them in that week. And, and then I'll have um, the current trustees um, to look at, look at them. And then I'll plan on going and meeting with the family um, sometime during the week. See if it's something they're even interested in serving in that role. And so because there could be, hey, man, people think this person would be good. But maybe they're like, you know what, I'm too busy or I can't serve in that role or whatever it may be. And then on the last Sunday, if they agreed to it and stuff, then we'll have a confirmation vote um, that um, they and we'll lay hands on, pray, pray over them to serve in the role of a deacon. And so that'll be on the 26th. And next Sunday, we'll have Vision Sunday. Um, this upcoming Sunday, just kind of give a theme for the year, a year of focus. And so come here next Sunday, okay? Invite people to come. Sunday you do not want to miss. Um, we want to give vision. My wife's doing this because she's saying, pump it up. Give, 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 give people excited about it. Be a cheerleader. But, um, Alan, go ahead and come and quickly give any um, announcements.